This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You are with Lee Chui Lin and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, the question of neighbours. The good, the bad and everything in between. This comes as the Department of Statistics Malaysia has published the results of a survey looking at how Malaysians interact with neighbours. And there were some interesting findings. So, simple question today, and we have the whole hour for it. Let us know, do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell? What is your relationship like with them? That number to call, 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number, 018-789-8899. This is Insights story. It is 6.09. So, um, to be clear, the roots of this come from a survey that the DOSM or the Department of Statistics Malaysia published, um, which basically sought to look into how locals interact with neighbours, among other things. So it surveyed about 14 million folks and found that 93% of respondents would engage with their neighbours. Now, would is important because it does not mean do. Um, it just means that they, they don't mind doing it. Um, and the results showed that this, I don't think is that surprising. Kuala Lumpur, Selangor and Penang had lower percentages of interactions with neighbours in comparison to Sabah, Sarawak and Perak, which in turn had the highest levels. Yeah, so the Sabah, Sarawak, Para thing, I don't know about Para, but I think with Sabah and Sarawak, partly because they have such a huge a rural uh, population, right? People who live in villages, that interaction is not an option. You know, interaction is part of social life. It's the fabric of, of rural life. And so, and also people who live in the interior, right? Tribal societies in Malaysia. But I think with urban people interacting uh, with your neighbours is an option. You can choose not to. For years and years, you can choose not to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this is, and it's perfectly acceptable. I don't think anybody will say, oh, they're so sombong and why are they so cold and uppity if they, you know, your neighbor chooses never to interact with you or interact in the most minimal way, right? And because urban culture is that. It does mean, though, that when there is conflict, um, you have no foundation whatsoever of an existing relationship to deal with it, no? Absolutely. Yeah, because I think that's a problem because if your only engagement with your neighbour happens in a time of strife or if you feel that they've uh, crossed the boundary or whatever it may be, then if there was never an exchange of like, here's rambutan (laughs) or, you know, whatever it might be, here's here's kiklapis. If if you don't do that occasional gesture of goodwill watering people's plants when they're away, that kind of thing, it does mean that you have no foundation and all you have is antagonism. Or... uh, Resort to some authority, right? So I think the mm. the you know people running to the security personnel to deal with conflict with their neighbors, people uh, going to I don't know some residence group, the or police, or sometimes. The, and the police. Yeah. In fact, the police I think often is the first place they mm. go to, th- thinking they haven't in fact ex- escalated it. But I, I, uh, you're right. If you don't have some basic relationship, it's very hard to have the kind of co- difficult conversations, right? The conversations about noise, about smell, about um, about things that you might feel are intrusive, 
all that's not possible, or actually not impossible, but made very difficult if you don't, in fact, have those foundations of some reasonable level of friendliness. So Awang Azman, who is uh, a part of the study on Sabah and Sarawak's social cohesion model development by the National Unity Ministry, that's a, a long kind of designation, but um, he said that the lower interactions in urbanised states, so KL, Slangor, Penang, again, have the lower percentages of interactions with neighbours. Um, he said it's not because city dwellers are unfriendly, but rather, more often than not, and I think this is just a basic fact, people who move to cities and urban areas Areas rent, they don't stay in one place for long. So it means that you don't necessarily form strong bonds with your neighbours. He did say, though, that having good relationships with neighbours increase feelings of safety because there's someone nearby who you can depend on in times of need. Um, Tan Sri Lee Lamtai, meanwhile, has also said that interactions with neighbours is beneficial for national harmony and that stronger neighbourhood relationships can only begin when individuals intentionally make an effort. Yeah, I, I would I would say though, Lynn, mm. that you know there's a tendency I think among you know kind of like I don't know social leaders to kind of talk up neighborliness as something as that is good, but also I think what is um, what is problematic is not often talked about, like the whole uh, you know budaya jaga tepikayen kind of thing, the intrusiveness that comes from closely knit communities, the, uh, you know, the gossipy, I want to know all the stories about you, maybe not even directly from you, but, you know, I'll ask another neighbor about this other neighbor, that all that's the bad stuff of an overly closely knit society, too. And a lot of us who live in cities love the anonymity. The anonymity is part of the freedom we have as individuals to live exactly the kind of lives we want to live. It's a little difficult for me because I, uh, my parents came from small towns, but I am born and raised here. And so because of that, my perception of what neighbourliness should look like or could look like is a little maybe not so friendly. Um, in, in other words, I like having polite interactions. Um, I do believe that we should know each other a little so that, like I said, um, if and when I park in your spot, you park in mine, whatever it may be, we don't just leap straight into, you know, egging someone's house or or whatever. Um, But I don't necessarily do the high buy. Um, I don't necessarily do the souvenirs when I go away, um, which I know some people do. But I absolutely believe in uh, keeping an eye out for their house when they're away. Um, I believe in watering the plants. Uh, I live in a landed property. So I I think these are the things that I tend to think of as neighbourliness rather than knowing that... um, oh, they have a child, that child is currently you know, studying here. Like that kind of intimate knowledge. Yeah, that's very interesting. One ago, you mentioned the reciprocity issue, but you know, for me, I'm on that way because as much as I kind of, you know, I just talked up the whole, you know, value I place on individual freedom and the, you know, ability to kind of be completely hedonistic, the... <laughs> Well, I probably didn't say that. I was thinking it. Anyway, the, I'm actually quite friendly. Like, I actually exchange food. Yes, I know uh, you do. And, you know, and I talk to my neighbours. I have a bunch of uh, bachelors living across from me. And I talk to them about their work if, when I get a chance. You know, and and when it's interesting, I want to know more. But it, it tends to be that, right? So, um, but the reciprocity, the idea is that if I'm looking out for you and then you're looking out for me on this very basic thing that we all want, which is security, right? Yeah. We all want security. We all want the neighbor to alert us as they see smoke coming out of a window from our house. Or if I left my door open Ah. and you know that nobody's home. 
Right. You know, I think that there are just some very basic things about living in a... Again, I grew up here, so I've only ever lived in like high-density spaces. Um, so this is what I'm used to. But it's worth saying that in as a response, you know, to kind of build on the story, the Star actually published a couple of articles that highlighted uh, several issues that cause, you know, tiffs, uh, that cause distress among neighbours. Um, and some of those issues include parking that encroaches into another's, another house's compound, not surprising, pungent odour and smoke from cooking, again, not surprising, and neighbours not cleaning up after their pets, allowing them to roam around and relieve themselves freely. Uh, there's also complaints about uh, noise, I think just noise pollution in general. Yeah, of those, because I don't I drive a car, um, the the pets thing I'm very concerned about, because I live in a, you know, while I'm in a strata title kind of development, I, I live in a lot of landed property around me, and, and some of my neighbours have dogs, and sometimes they let their dogs out, and it's actually detrimental to us who walk. Cause do- the dog- so in one particular, I actually had a shouting match with my neighbour, where I was, I was scolding them for allowing their dogs out that were terrorising you know, people who are walking on the street. And, and then it was like, oh, no, my son, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's not. It's your responsibility. But the fact that I didn't uh, having a shouting match and then did take photographs uh, with the thought of, oh, co- of complaining. But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it was just a moment. It was in the moment, Lynn, that I felt like, okay, this could be escalated to the local Sorry, council. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to let my judgment seep through my voice. <laughs> okay, we're talking today about neighbourliness um, after a, uh, well, a couple of articles in the Star talking about the issue, but also the Department of Statistics that found that out of 14 million people, 93% of folks would like to engage with their neighbours, but don't necessarily do so. And uh, KL Slango Pinang, lower percentages of interactions with neighbours, Sabah Sarawak Perak, higher. So let us know, simple question, do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell. Now is the time to vent or praise. Um, what is your relationship like with them? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bunkos for Makan BFM eighty nine point nine The Business Station. It is 6.20 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And we are asking today, uh, do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell? What is your relationship like with them? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we have a caller on the line, I believe, who would like to remain anonymous. Anon, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening. Hi. Yeah, okay, uh, well, uh, replying back to your question, you know, do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell? So mine was definitely neighbours from hell, actually, you know. Sharing back and recalling back my episode last year, beginning of last year, actually, it was around 11.30, close to 11.45 uh, p.m. at night, okay? It was just before 12, and, you know, I suddenly heard these loud hurling firecracker sounds out of my house, so I had no choice but to, you know, call up the police and just inform them that, you know, I'm, I, you know, my, my sleep is disturbed, you know, I'm already tired from work and you know, I've got these sounds coming out of my house. So, yeah, so that, that led on to a big issue, actually, with my neighbours. Uh, Anon, can I ask, was this a festive season? 
It was, it was, it was pre-Chinese New Year actually, and and back then at that time because you know everything was still very raw and fresh. So you know my housing area and uh, yeah, basically my housing area we were not enrolled or engaged in any security group or any security patrol force. So yeah, that left me no choice but to call up the police forces and just inform them of this sound. So yeah, that became a. a Big serious issue after that. Uh, can I ask you though, if it's the festive mm-hmm. season and kind of people do the firecracker thing during festive season, uh, okay. did you think, well, okay lah, you know, if it happens one or two days during the festive season, it's okay. Well, I mean, mm, why did you go well, straight okay, to the police? Yeah, well, actually, because, you know, it was, I think it was a wrong day. It was a bad day at work, too, you know, because I was, like, tired. And then there was, there were lots of, you know, assignments and deadlines due at work. Okay, well, to a certain point, even if you say that it's uh, festival season, I wouldn't mind that, you know, probably, like, up to a certain time, like, 9 or 10 p.m., they do it. But, you know, this is, like, after 11.30 and close to 12, I think that's a little bit, you know, uh, inconsiderate and, and, and over the over the limit, I think, you know. Mm. Yeah. Anon, thank you so much for calling and for sharing. I think actually firecrackers and fireworks are going to be a bit of a an explosive topic, if I may say, because um, frankly, I, this is one of those things where I really feel that everybody's tolerance is different. So I tend to approach it from a... Um, I tend to approach it from a live and let live, like in the sense that everybody has different festive seasons. It's part of the the fabric of the country, so it's okay. I am, however, and I think this is crucial, a night owl. So I think that that makes a big difference. So I get more annoyed by morning construction when people are renovating their their houses and it starts very early. That tends to aggravate me more than, say, nighttime fireworks. So I understand, Anon, how if you are already tired, if you're already having um, a bit of a rough time, that if you're trying to rest and it does feel as if there is this, this thing that's keeping you from it, remembering the notion of harmony, you know, can, can be a tough one to hold on to when it's your personal space. Yeah, harmony, tolerance, yeah. this is just season. I mean, the Hungry Ghost uh, Festival comes around every year. And, you know, there is, I think, singing, if that's the word for it, mm. uh, almost operatic yes. uh, from the Chinese temple not far from my home. And I, But, you know, and it's not the kind of, that I'm a night owl, but I just think that it's part and parcel of Malaysian life. So I I tend to say, well, I find strategies to retreat into as much as I can, cut out the sound uh, without feeling the need to, you know, call the police. Because, um, and even the close to midnight, I always think it's because people are ushering in the next day. They're ushering the start of the festival, right? That's when, in fact, the, the firecrackers do go off. And... Uh, I have a wonderful perch to watch uh, firecrackers across the Klang Valley. And so for me, it's a beautiful sight. But I know if you have children, if you have work next day, if you can't shut up the sound, yeah, it's it's a killer. Speaking of uh, the question of fireworks, right? Um, unsurprisingly, the other issue that's come up is animals. We have two contrasting stories. So Anwar says, my neighbour is half hell, half heaven. Heaven because they have cats. People with cats as pets are always seen as the good guy. On the other hand, I don't have cats, but I end up cleaning up after their cats when they do their business on my property. Hence, that's hell. Any suggestion to deal with this other than violence? Um, Which I think we've talked about this before, Anwar. I'm not sure if it was you, but I remember this issue of 
um, how can I put it nicely? Pets voiding themselves in people's <laughs> property tends to really touch a nerve. Um, Munif, on the other hand, says, as an animal lover, I'm beyond thankful that my neighbourhood is populated by cat lovers mostly. Doesn't matter which cat belongs to who, food and pets are ready no matter which home your pet roams to. It's normal to see in the resident WhatsApp group, for example, that a neighbour five houses away is posting pictures of him happily playing with my cat all of a sudden. Then I share pics of a cat from three houses away sleeping comfortably on my shoe rack. Even though our interactions are so-so, but us neighbours are beyond happy with each other because we know our beloved pets are safe and happy. Yeah, I don't really have a solution for that. I'm actually quite su- surprised, uh, Munif and Anwar, that cats are a representative of good no, people. No, because it's wrong. Uh, right. So I think that cats are often seen as less intrusive and potentially violent than, say, dogs. Except that, you know... They roam. Yeah, they roam yeah. and they have a they have an area, right? So, in fact, dogs are much more trainable when it comes to where they, as you very uh, sophisticatedly put it, Lynn, void, void. Them themselves. <laughs> you can actually train a dog to void themselves uh, in specific places in the way that, okay, like maybe a, I don't know, what is it? those trays that uh, cat lovers have but i mean kitty litter kitty litter that's mm. right and i um i don't know i mean dogs cats are all the same to me I, I think the problem is that because animals have their own behavioral traits how do we kind of deal with that and um, and I know people uh, like you, Anwar, who want to uh, do violence because it's an endless task, right? And you're always cleaning up. And there's actually like pet repellent, isn't there? Yes, there is. And no, I think that the issue here is that I didn't choose to have a pet. You did. So this is the, the issue of the neighbour, right? Because now why is suddenly this situation becoming everybody's problem? Which is the, the worst case scenario. On the other hand, you have a neighbourhood like Munif's, which, um, you know, sounds like catopia. Everybody sounds really happy. So I really think it, it so depends on... Um, on, on where you are. And it's luck of the draw, right? Especially if you've bought a place, more you, so than rented. Yeah. Tell me, I, I don't know, you know, I did have cats though, I must say. Um, are cats trainable? Because I have I, no idea. When I, it comes to sort of potty habits? I am at best a cat aunt and not a cat mother. <laughs> and therefore, I, I actually really don't know. I would like to think they are, but it... it I don't it remember them ever being... Like Mm. Mm. Yes. Okay. Anyways, lots and lots of messages which we will come back for. Tell us, do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell? What is your relationship like with them? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.38 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And today we are talking about neighbours. So this is coming because there have been a bunch of articles in The Star which talked about basically bugbears, I think, the the issues people have with their neighbours. And this is following on the Department of Statistics Malaysia publishing the results of a survey that found that out of 14 million people, 93% of folks would engage with their neighbours. Doesn't mean they do, it just means they would. But it's very high percentage as percentages go. That's almost just about everybody. Sure, but that depends from state to state because uh, KL, Selangor, Penang, not so much. Uh, Sabah, Sarawak, Perak, very open. So that's where we're at and we are asking you, um, do you have good neighbours 
or neighbours from hell. Uh, what is your relationship with them like? You can send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can call us 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start with this one from, uh, we have a voice note from Roberto. Well, I always try to get good relationship with anybody who interacts with me. That doesn't mean that the rest of the people has to be the same as I am with them. And many times it has happened that I have encountered uh, discomfort in certain actions from some neighbors, you know. Um, Having said that, I have to say that I live in a lower density strata kind of development. Hence, my interaction with my neighbors is really minimum. Only when we go down and collect uh, certain parcels. However, though, (laughs) uh, my interaction with my management, I mean, the the, the so-called joint management committee is horrendous. The current committee, the owners or neighbors, they are the worst anybody could have asked as neighbors. The decisions that they made are affecting everybody. And even though we have complained to the commissioner of buildings, something is going on because they are not acting. So, yeah, I try to be nice. I try to be polite. I try to be courteous. But sometimes they are too much. Bye. Roberto, thank you for sending that in. Um, Someone here, and it's not me, um, (laughs) is part of management um, or is part of a... Management, the residence committee. The management committee, I guess, is what we call ourselves. Yes, which we will end. So we'll return to this attack on on the management committee. But before that, we've got a call, I think. We've got Ernest on the line with us. Ernest, good evening. What are your thoughts? Yeah, good evening. Yeah, I am, uh, by the way, I'm 70 years old uh, and I live in a start, uh, start certified uh, community for the last 15 years. But I have to say, I have got very good neighbors. I live in a very good community. Uh, the main reason is most of us are within that range, that age limit, and we tend to reinvent ourselves to make our lives more meaningful. You know, of course, you have the normal cat-dog uh, problems. But the thing is, finding a way, talking to the neighbors. Like, I know I had, in the early days, I had this problem where the cats just come into my house, into my grotto, and do their business. So I said, what, what, what am I going to do about it? So one day somebody told me, why don't you feed the cat? And I did that. And it stopped the problem. So it's like, like I said, it's how you put yourself in. No. Standing there and pointing fingers doesn't really work if you want to have a good life. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ernest. Um, I, I love that. I think that that's really good life advice. And a wonderful hack with the cat. Uh, Winks said the same thing as well, actually, in the messages. Um, Winks said that they were told that if you feed the cats, the cats think that your house is also their house. 
And therefore won't poo in it? Yeah, because um, they don't want to dirty their home. <laughs> They're going to go off and seek somewhere else. <laughs> well, that was not the behaviour that my cats had uh, when they lived with me. Um, but I, I must say that, um, you know, uh, what Ernest said is interesting for me because I live in a development that has uh, increasingly older people. Um, and older people are either very nice and they bring their knowledge to bear on, you know, things for the community. But there are people also very grumpy very set in their ways, uh, for whom everything's a battle to the death. So, um, more positivity. Fyrus says, I have the best neighbours around in our condo. We have dinners together weekly. We travel together, like six families together. We run our own Surau Academy. We have sports day, many other activities. The kids run freely, alone every day, like it's the 80s. Wow, it sounds like a commune. Uh, personally, but in a good way. way. Yes, I mean, communes are not bad. I mean, you know, this are, 20th century is full of uh, communes, good communes. No, I mean, that, that's very interesting because, you know, for me, even the exchange of food with my former neighbour, she's left, uh, is that it never became a meal thing. It was always just an exchange of food. And I think maybe we were both comfortable with that level. And I think that's the thing with neighbours. You can calibrate with each neighbour, a kind of level of um, of intimacy, if you like, you know, of uh, interaction uh, uh, and not necessarily go the whole hog. Sometimes you can't, though, as in the... as. In when it comes to fireworks, right? Because it's it can be an intrusive thing. And we heard earlier from a caller who wanted to remain anonymous about the the conflict that has resulted from his neighbourhood as a result of fireworks. We have a opposing perspective, I think, that's come in from Fran Kim, which is a voice note. Hi, just wanted to add on to the points that I heard just now that I... I do wish that people in Malaysia, because this is where we live, right? This is what makes us Malaysians. I do wish we are more tolerant sometimes to fireworks. I mean, I'm not one of those who who put on fireworks, but I think my tolerance level is generally quite high, um, regardless the festive period, um, you know, whether is it relating to what I celebrate or not, because I felt that sometimes it's good for us as neighbours ourselves to be that good neighbours that we want to others. But I do understand how sometimes it can be quite bad and um, that people should also on the other hand, be more considerate. Maybe for me, ushering in the New Year or Hari Raya or Dipawali or Christmas or anything like that, it's really about, you know, ushering in the, the day after, right? So it makes sense for them to actually have the files close to 12 a.m. But perhaps 2, 3 a.m., perhaps it'll be good if they tone down a little bit. But generally, I'm, I'm personally fine with it because I, and I do hope more Malaysians actually... Um, have this awareness and, you know, to be more conscious about this as well. After all, you know, this is what makes us Malaysian. Fran, thank you for that perspective. I, I mean, I share it. Um, I Again, I do understand that it's not for everybody, but I, I don't know. Um, it makes me feel quite, uh, to loan the word communal, uh, when I hear fireworks across the year. Yeah, the fireworks... And it's interesting because it's in kind of uh, very specific periods, right? But what do you do with something like um, parties? And yeah. so, you know, and when you live uh, in a development that has lots of young people in particular, uh, uh, and they tend to make noise and they tend to stay up late, uh, and they tend to want to have music with their their social activities. I to mean, be fair, the fireworks don't happen in isolation anyway, right? They're usually part of a party. It's, it's not really one person just deciding, you know, it often comes 
comes with uh, children squealing. It often comes with, you know, that yeah. level of I'm excitement as well. It often is like a whole neighbourhood or it several is. neighbourhoods erupting, right? Um, and, and I wanted to return to fireworks mm-hmm. because we have, um, again, differing perspectives because Arvind says, when you have kids or pets, they tremble in fear. Fireworks past 10pm is becoming a bit too much. Yeah, Arvin, absolutely. I know because, you know, my aunt who lives in my neighborhood has many dogs and they all are terrified. And then we talk about this all the time. Or what can we do to make our pets feel a little more secure during these festive seasons? And there are ways of doing it. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's like, OK, you know, um, do we just accept this as part of life or do we want somehow the state to intervene and the state to regulate and say there are times that are acceptable and not? I mean, I'm not quite sure how regulated we want our social and cultural lives to be. Munif is saying, um, my Chinese neighbours had their festivities and firecrackers and all that at 3am. When I woke up the next morning, my neighbour was already sweeping all the ash away from my porch while gifting us with some food from said festivities. I'm okay with the fireworks. Bukan Luma. Also, cats are trainable. Whether they decide to comply with said training is a different thing. They understand, but mostly do not care. Oh, Munif, Munif, the, the very, the conundrum of cats, right? The, the conundrum that cats are. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, trainable applies to a, a beast that will listen but then not follow. Uh, dogs are so much better in that way. They, they do love us as human beings and will... Uh, because they love us, obey us. I want to go back, though, to that point about the fireworks and how I I think, look, it's very possible that fireworks are aggravating in their own right, just as many things are aggravating in isolation. Parking can be aggravating in isolation. Parties can be aggravating in isolation. But I think that more often than not, what you want to know is that your neighbour is considerate of you. And and that, I think, is the tipping point. That That's when people feel like, oh, I have no choice. I have to escalate this because you are not considerate. If you're not considerate, I I can't reason with you. I can't talk to you. I just have to, to take it elsewhere. And I think, Munif, your example is such a good example of showing care and consideration. Yes, I inconvenienced you, but it's not that I did not think of you. I did think of you, but it's not always. Here's a little thing. Hope it's okay. Yeah, the gift, I think, was a really sweet gesture, right? It's an acknowledgement that you have been tolerant and therefore I'm going to... Um, Feed you. <laughs> well, I'm going to compensate, but maybe it's not really about compensation. It's not, you know, these things are not quantifiable anyway. It's an inclusion, right, into the festivity. Yeah. It's saying that I know I inconvenienced you, but also it's a it's a fun time for us. Be a part of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a kind of dialogue that I think we can have where words fail us and a lot of Malaysians don't, I, I think, uh, a lot of us don't have the vocabulary to explain or talk about space and tolerance and all this. But we do understand gestures and we know a gesture... Uh, when we see it, that is about uh, an apology or a, a sense of, you know, you've made a small sacrifice for me now. Let me do something on, for you. Right? So do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell? What is your relationship like with them? You can call 7773-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin fun moments. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. 
It is 6.51 and this is Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're in the home stretch of our neighbour conversation um, in which we've been asking you, do you have good neighbours or neighbours from hell? Uh, what is your relationship like with them? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, a number of other folks who have... Good neighbours. Jessica says, Yes, I have good neighbours who help to feed my dog, water the plants whenever I'm away. Anonymous says, I have fond memories growing up with great neighbours. Cakes and treats were shared. When it rains, we would alert each other if the clothes are out, feed each other's pets when on holiday. Uh, couple to school, swim class. Now I live in a condo and sadly, I don't know my neighbours. Fudsley, mixed bag. Right neighbour, Wonderful. Help each other look after the house, water plants went away, trade rambutans. We have different species growing in our gardens. Left neighbour, their dog killed my cat and they were completely unapologetic about it. Took me two decades before I'm even on aloof speaking terms with them. And then Fazli has thought about cat thoughts about cats, which we can <laughs> come back to. Ah, well, yeah. See, the, the lack of an apology, right? So sometimes you're not in control of your pets. But if you don't apologize, that really sours relationship. You know, um, and I'm not surprised two decades, especially if it's a pet, right, um, is maybe even reasonable when you think about it. I mean, you know, and this is the other thing about communities is often the feelings are very deeply set and you know, people hold on to them for a long time. And then Fadzli goes on to talk about power dynamics. <laughs> when it comes to cats. Uh, cats do love us. They love us by granting us the privilege of loving them, so on and so forth. So a number of, I feel as if you cat people, and yes, I said you cat people, have very tortured relationships with your cats. I say this as um, the the family member of an uncomplicated dog Oh, you've never had a cat? No, no. I love cats. I enjoy them when they're around, but I, I've never had one. All right. Mm. Well, I grew up with, uh, always with cats and dogs. We always were a cat and dog family. So uh, we also have, let's see, uh, Sheila, who simply says, we did not interact with our immediate neighbours, mainly because of our working hours, but we started after a spate of robberies in our block. Yeah, so that's a kind of mutual benefit kind of uh, impetus, right? But, you know, there's this thing, and I I wonder if anybody's had this experience. I I mean, when I moved in my apartment, I had two months of uh, renovations. Can you imagine what my neighbours had to go through for that? Mm. And, you know, maybe part of me dreads the moment where my neighbours will want to do something to their apartment, and it will take two months. And I guess I will have to live with it because, obviously, other lived with my renovations, right? So uh, these are even more difficult, I think, tests for uh, neighbourliness. Uh, we also have more folks coming in about fireworks, which I, I did think would be a big one. Perry says, it's a total of 10 days out of 365 days. That's like less than 3%. I've raised two kids with fireworks during the festivity. Uh, they turn out fine. I guess it's more a problem of the parents and pet parents. Uh, Madi says, one way to accept the fireworks during festive periods is to step out of the house and enjoy it. When you're part of it, it's a non-issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the the spirit in which we want to push all ourselves towards ideally ideally, Mm. generosity, right? Uh, We also have a caller with us. We have got Krishna. Krishna, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening, uh, both of you guys. Uh, Thanks. I just want to say I'm actually uh, adult blind. Uh, I'm a blind person. Uh, Adult blind means I lost recently. Um, So I'm staying in an apartment by myself. So I was just sharing with your colleague just now. And, um, there's a lot of love. Uh, I go to the elevator. Sometimes people help me with the elevators or the opening the door at the lobby or, you know, just asking. But 
sometimes it's 90%. They're always very helpful and so nice. But I do understand some people, they're not sure how to assist a blind or a disabled person. So when they come into the lift, they're quiet. So I make the first one say, hey, what's happening? All good? Then they start opening up. And the next time they see me, hey, how are you doing? So, yeah, lots of love, lots of love in PJ. And I uh, just love it. And um, no complaints, even the fireworks. It's, not, it's just part of celebrations, man. We all are Malaysians. And I believe that's... Um, that's uh, whether it's not our celebrations or not. We are just uh, enjoying other people's celebrations and respect that. And you know, it's not every day of the year, right? So, and yeah, that's my story. Krishna? I do want to yes, yeah, please go I ahead. I want to add in something. Um, just now, somebody mentioned about you know, a lot of people are mentioning about even I had when I was standing in a, staying in a landed property, uh, cats from neighbors coming and uh, doing the like, what do you say, avoided or extreme or something like that. It's really. Uh, bugging me, especially when being blind, you step on it and then it's stuck to your shoe. So I found out a um, product on the pet shop they sell. It. It's called Urinov. It's not a Russian one. <laughs> it's a biodegradable product whereby you just spray it around your lawn or something like that and no cats come in. It's not uh, violent. They just don't come in at all. And it worked out for me and, in fact, a few other friends. That's one. And number two, uh, Sharaf's point about whether cats are um, potty trainable. I found out a gentleman in uh, Para who exports the coconut husk, uh, shaping them into potty to Europe. And it seems a cat, when they see or smell a thing and they just do it in their business there. I don't know whether it's true, but he's doing a good, pretty good business. And um, yeah, recyclable coconut husk. That's my two cents. Yep. Krishna, thank you so much for calling and for sharing um, both uh both a story as well as a recommendation. Um, I think that actually hearing that you feel loved and supported by your community is uh, genuinely heartwarming. And, and I think a lot of it, I mean, if I had to guess, uh, has to do with the fact that uh, Krishna himself said that, well, I make the first move. If they're not going to say hello, then I do it. And I think that that sort of reciprocity sometimes can be difficult, right? It just feels as if everybody's like, let's not look, let's not pay attention, let's not speak. Yeah, it is... Um, is, is the lack of vocabulary, right? It's a mm. lack of uh, understanding of what it is to negotiate with somebody whose c- circumstances might not be, you know, something you're used to. And so, yeah, I mean, Krishna's point really is that in recognizing that, and maybe because he's somebody who's recently um, lost his uh, eyesight, that he understands that and, and sort of found a strategy. It's a good strategy. Too. The flip side of it, though, is Anonymous, who says, my neighbours range from heaven to hell, but I try to live with things, mostly by keeping interaction minimal. This is to avoid any outright confrontation. I can list the ways that irritate me, but I try to remind myself that there may be things that my family, my visitors and I might have done to irk them as well. So I think less is more. I, I absolutely think that's the, the urban ethos. Less is more, right, when it comes to interaction, because the more, the closer you get, the potential for, uh, for conflict is greater. That's true. But I will say, Anon, that the other lesson I'm taking, uh, which is maybe the less hardcore urban uh, perspective, is actually just that um, rem- uh, remembering yourself, having some self-perception in this situation and understanding that you are probably also not perfect, that sometimes you make sounds, sometimes you park where you shouldn't, you know, and kind of recognising that it's not as if, you know, uh, glass houses and so on. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's a generosity generosity of spirit, right? Yeah. That's what you're talking about. But it's the person who makes the mistake, does not apologize, and then uh, does it again. And I think that is what starts to sour the the relationship. I just feel as if maybe if we all acknowledged each other a little bit more, it would be better. Yeah, You don't have to form connections, but I think just acknowledgement and consideration. I, I think you're absolutely right. And it comes back to your, your initial point, Lynn, about the foundations, right? If you don't even have that, you have minimal interaction, then in a crisis, how do you start building the possibilities of, um, of resolving it and negotiating? It? And that's, I think, one of the things that strata title uh, developments have is, depending on whether they're large or small, is that they're all about... Um, uh, the negotiation. Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch. We have been talking today about Neighbours on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.